On this month's episode of the Sound Rider Show, we're talking new 2021 models that have caught our eye, moto gifts that we'd like to see under the tree this year, and rattlesnake jumping in Moses Lake. All that and so much more on this month's episode of the Sound Rider Show. Support for the Sound Rider Show is provided in part by I 90 Motorsports, your east side destination for Honda, Yamaha, Triumph, KTM, Suzuki, and Can Am sales and service. Does your taste for outdoor fun go beyond two wheels? I-90 Motorsports has you covered with a wide range of sleds, watercraft, UTVs, and side-by-sides, too. Check them out online today at i90motorsports.com. Hi, this is Anthony with Ride Motorsports in Woodenville. Welcome to the Sound Rider Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, Join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Motorcycle riders from across the Pacific Northwest and around the world, this is the Sound Rider Show, the show where we bring you gold frankincense and that's it one wise man short of a christmas miracle but not to be deterred joining me as always publisher and founder of sound rider mr tom Marin, and putting the jingle in your 350 cc single i of course am self-appointed editor at large Derek roberts tom i would like to start today's show with a quick story about yours truly and one of our mutual friends if i may uh well first i have a question Sure. So uh, you got gold and frankincense, but no purr? Uh, I think it's mirror, isn't it? Isn't it M-Y-R-R-H? No, this that? is a motorcycle show. It's purr. Ah. <laughs> and no brap? Uh, no brap. Nope. Only gold and frankincense on this episode. <laughs> I figure it's fitting for this time of year, though, right? This is the holiday edition. This is, well, I guess this is our fifth or our sixth holiday edition show. I can't keep track anymore. Uh, I think it's the fifth. It's the end of the fifth season right now. That's right. So uh, we would like to, uh, again, welcome our millions of uh, fans of, and admirers, as we know that you're all out there, and wish everyone a happy holidays, right? Hey, you know what? It's the end of the sixth season. Can you believe it? Is it the end of the sixth? Yeah, I guess you're right. First we started show what? was uh, February of 2015. Okay. Well, time flies when uh, you're handing out gold and frankincense, I tell you what. And we did that test show in January of 2015, but no one's ever going to get to hear that. Right. <laughs> that will be uh, on our uh, fa- OnlyFans page, right, behind the paywall for that one. Um, so here's the story that I want to tell you real quick, though, because, you know, every, uh, every episode I kind of make a reference to the DR350. Um, and a couple of days ago I got a text out of the blue from Jesse Murphy, course cascade motorcycle safety and uh jesse sent me a text that was like uh basically said dude i just realized that your initials are dr so my question for you is have you ever realized that uh that my initials are dr no my my initials are dr (laughs) as in reference to the dr 350 i i haven't i didn't know that so does that mean that I should own a Honda Elsinore? Because uh, uh, the, the letters on that is TM. Well, that's what I want to suggest on this holiday episode is that from now on, moving forward, people are only allowed to own motorcycles that have their initials in them. 
Oh. <laughs> well, I guess no, but Queen I thought Anne... I'd point that out because it occurred to me that not everybody was aware of that. But that is, in all sincerity, I mean, obviously the DR is terrific lineage and a great motorcycle for the type of riding I do. But that's one of the reasons that I have an affinity for it is because my initials are plastered right there on it. So you're saying that Queen Anne has to own a QA50? Uh, well, I guess, yeah. We're going to, like uh, these Lime scooters, are we going to start a bike share for the neighborhood? <laughs> no, that'd be too much trouble because if you did a bike share, then uh, only people with the proper initials could use the bikes that were available. Well, you know, you got to get the, uh, you got to get people out there writing tickets. We're going to have to raise some money, I guess. <laughs> hmm. Well, let's say what, moving on, let's, uh, from bike shares to knowledge shares about bikes. Um, you know, the end of the year here and the beginning of 2021 means that some new models are starting to roll off the assembly line and, uh, kind of got me thinking, is there anything out there that's caught your eye on the 2021 lineup? A couple of things interested me, not particularly because I want to own one, although one of them I might not mind owning, but uh, uh, Honda coming out with an 1100cc Rebel. And, I you know, saw that, they, yeah. They got their Shadow Cruiser line, Shadow Arrow, um, and I, I, I don't see a lot of people riding those around nowadays, so I'm I'm – Struggling to understand why they're moving ahead with another 1,100cc scooter. Maybe they're going to change the line out. Huh? Yeah, are you talking about uh, spinning? You know, spinning off of the the shadow, or are you talking about the uh, CB 1100 in in particular? I know. I'm talking about the Rebel. Uh, well, I guess, what do they did they badge it as a CB? The Rebel. Oh, I don't know. I, I guess uh, I thought, it, or maybe that's a separate model entirely here. I don't know what the letter prefixes on that bike but if it's cb that means only charlie brown could own it so (laughs) indeed uh so there is a rebel uh 1100 of course which i guess is what you were talking about but i think well that's what they're coming with and and they've had the rebel 300 and the rebel 500 in the lineup for about the last three years and now they're coming with a larger so i guess you could just go from you know the three to the five to the 1100 i don't know I guess so. Like that kind of for a bike like that, five hundred seems to be kind of the sweet spot. I mean, I think the three hundred is a good first bike. But what do you think? Is it going to be well received? Are people going to be out there looking for it? Well, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I just I don't ever see anybody riding around on shadows anymore. I, I don't. I, maybe I'm not going to enough cruiser events. I don't know. Yeah, you know. No, I think you're right. I haven't seen uh, too much in the in the shadow department. Um, in the last couple of years, although it's, I mean, it's a reliable motorcycle of maybe a bit unremarkable, I suppose that whole line, huh? Yeah. You ever ridden one? No, I never have. Well, having those handlebars out that far, so you feel like you're riding a Texas Longhorn, you know? Yeah, that's a different setup. You know, I know that's come up on the show a few times, kind of riding position. And I think you and I share some preference for the standard slash dual sport model of having a little bit more of an upright position. I, I've never been able to really get, get into that cruiser position and appreciate it. Like some other people seem to have a preference for Yeah, I agree. That's why I never personally owned one, but I've ridden them. Um, yeah. another bike that kind of grabbed my attention was uh Kawasaki coming with a KLX 300. And cue the sad foghorn. 
<laughs> wah, wah. I don't look, everybody was waiting for the KLR and there was nothing on this announcement nothing against the KLX it's a great motorcycle and having a 300 is all fine and dandy but isn't what we really wanted is a KLX 600 uh yeah that'd be nice yeah Oh, you're talking about like coming with a KLR, except making it a KLX 600 now. Well, I assume that that will probably. I mean, I think odds are that that's probably going to be the move. Maybe not. I guess I don't know. The KLR name, the initial sequence has cachet in itself, but I did another 50 cc. I mean, that's fine, but how much different is that than the 250? Well, the additional 50 cc will get you down uh, freeway at 70 miles an hour instead of 65 or 60. You know, with the 250. Yeah. I mean, I know that's the, uh, I know that's the take on it, but if it just, it doesn't seem like it's enough of a, and again, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of the KLX motorcycles and I think the two fifties are, are fantastic, but I guess, I don't know, maybe I suppose they had the engine or the technology around based off of the, the Versus 300 to where they could just, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who was ahead of them on this was uh, Bill Cameron at Skagit Power Sports. All year long, he's been putting uh, road kits on, on uh, well, they're, they're, they're KLX 250s or 300, but they weren't uh, really, like, very street legal. And now you'll have the official version. Okay. Or is that, uh, is that without the L, just the KX? Because did they have KX 300, like the uh, motocross yeah. dirt bike style? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not sure, but uh, I know that, that Bill's been converting and making K-somethings uh, street legal. So I got you. The case gadget. I'm waiting for the KWX, the Connie West version. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and on these 300s, too, I actually, I think uh, in Europe now, they're rolling out Honda CRF 300s and 300Ls. So we'll will be interesting to see if that also makes the migration over here to North North America. Oh, I'd like to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And get rid of the 250s cuz the 250s are just too underpowered to really do any You know like the the CR250Ls they're, they're they're perfect in every way except they're just underpowered. Yeah, if they could make a CRF uh, you know, 400L, that would really oh, be that'd be nice. That would be a, a great sweet spot to achieve. And, you know, with the, with the Hondas, too, in the 250s, obviously they're extraordinarily reliable. But in all their 250 classes, you know, particularly like their street bikes and stuff, they always lag a little bit behind on the power input compared to the other Japanese OEMs. So uh, a few more CC there I could see kind of catching up to the pack a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the last one that I saw that caught my eye was uh, – I don't know why they're doing this, but I guess, you know, um, Piaggio had the MP3 scooter, which had the yes. two wheels in the front. So Kimco is developing their own three-wheel scooter. I thought that was kind of interesting. And Kimco is finally going to come to the market with an electric scooter, which a lot of their dealers have been waiting on. So yep. uh, they have it, you know, there's pictures and stuff now. So they brought it along that far, but there's no actual release date yet. But we're seeing photographs. Yeah. And, you know, Kimco, obviously, they make a, they make a good product. I'm always a little... I'm always a little flabbergasted on this whole three-wheel market that isn't 
doesn't really dive into it. Like the Can-Ams I get in some capacity. They're not for me per se, but I could see why that would appeal. But these other sort of in-betweens and that kind of thing, um, I don't know. Are they, are they finding success in international markets and they figure, well, we've got you know the parts and the assembly. We'll roll a few out here in North America. Or do you think this is something that's going to prove to be a profitable seller for them here? Uh I think they'll probably profit on it. I think, yeah. uh, you know, obviously they'll, I would assume they're going to be a lot less expensive than something like a Can-Am. And on the Can-Am, those front wheels are spread apart pretty far. Uh, this is more sort of like the 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 MP3. And then, of course, the that Yamaha three-wheeler, that was like the big boy version of that. Yeah. No, and I agree with that. And that's kind of, I get, that's my point is that, you know, the Can-Am, they really, they dive in and it's like, it's, it's front and center. They're not really trying to draw an in-between behind that and a motorcycle. And I, I always am just kind of, I don't know where these sort of, you know, we're going to give you three wheel stability, but we want to kind of still inspire that motorcycle sort of feeling. I don't, I just don't know how that lands here in North America. And on that note, I, you know, you couldn't get Yamaha Nikens for what like the first year or so when they came out but now they're marked down significantly well i've still new. never seen one on a showroom floor but i i saw my first one the other day up on highway 20 up in cruising Skagit. along yeah well i've actually i've so i've seen probably i bet you i've seen three or four now on showroom floors and they're marked down pretty significantly like four hmm. or five thousand dollars off a new wow wow yeah so that's that, that's what that's kind of my impetus here. Like you know, we talked about it when the Nike came out about how it was probably being bought up by collectors, thinking it was going to be sort of a one-off year model thing, and you know there was some novelty to it. But then I think they rolled into a second year, and now here they sit. So I don't it's know. Kind of like uh, when Honda put out the Rune, or when Microsoft put out the Zune. Oh no, that's not a motorcycle. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Although uh, shades of the uh, – who made the MP3? The Piaggio, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So we'll, we'll see. That's interesting, though. Um, that's a, a very diverse lineup you have there, the Rebel 1100, the Kalex 300, and the Kimco Electric, uh, and, of course, the three-wheel there. So you kind of touched all bases. Have you got anything you've been looking at? Anything catching your eye? Yeah, a few have stood out to me, uh, starting over in – Germany, uh, I think this is the 40th anniversary of what is it? The GSs, yeah. Um, BMW. And so, yeah, and so the GSs have some really cool uh, color schemes that are coming out this year. But so does the uh, the R9T. You know, kind of their scrambler model. Uh huh. Um, and they've made some uh, some improvements here in 2021. And, you know, the more I see of this bike, the more more I like it. It's obviously kind of a street-oriented scrambler, despite the knobby tires and some of the miles uh, on some of the models. I don't think you'd be inclined to take it on more than a well-groomed fire road. But in particular, they've got this black and yellow paint scheme to celebrate the 40th anniversary that is just... Yellow's always good. Oh, man. And, you know, we talked about the, uh, the uh, V-Strom... 1050 XT and they rolled out a blue and yellow model, a throwback to their old, you know, enduro racing color schemes there. And I'm a, I'm just a, a huge fan of these retro color schemes that we're starting to see kind of resurface here. 
And uh, I think this is a really cool, really cool bike and a really cool addition. So I'm, I'm kind of got an eye on that. Have you seen these yet? Uh, no. Uh, one of the things I do like about the R9T series is that um, they're so versatile. They, they, you know, and, and I got to say, Ducati's done the same thing where they take the one bike and they turn it into five different bikes. And it's kind of yeah. cool. I agree. You know, I mean, I think having some of that part uh, interchangeability is great, obviously, particularly now, right? Um, but for, for maintenance and repairs and that kind of thing. And it's, you know, it's, and again, you know, Ducati and the R9T are great examples of this. The Ducati Scrambler, just um, kind of back to basics, old school, no windshield, uh, get out, ride your motorcycle, and enjoy it as a motorcycle and nothing else. And that's, I'm kind of a fan of that. Yeah, but they have all the latest and greatest technology, fortunately. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's a, yeah, <laughs> you're not uh, adjusting the points or uh, cleaning carburetors on any, either one of these models. That's for sure. All righty. Uh, uh, so uh, also coming from the BMW lineup, uh, it's shift in a completely different direction, but how about the BMW R18 Cruiser that's coming out in 2021? Have you seen this? Yes. So 1,800cc, uh, big, fat, bobber-like tires, a little bit of uh, reminiscence, you know, a little bit of a throwback to their old R5 models in there, too. Obviously, much heavier and a little more robust in engineering, but um, was pretty impressed with the rollout on this. Like, you know, I'm not cruisers. They tend not to be. My jam, as we talked about earlier, that uh, swept back position is usually not something that we kind of prefer. But I thought they did a really cool job on this. What's your take? Uh, you know, again, it wouldn't be something I would put in my stable. but um, And I'm wondering if we're going to see a lot of these around or just a few. I'm sort of, you know, and, and, and BMW just never seems to succeed anytime they try to enter a, a cruiser or a or a touring market that way with a low slung bike. Yeah. Um I mean they get good coverage when they get in a James Bond film, but uh beyond that, you know, there's not they had a hard time selling those R twelve hundred C's uh once they got past that first model year. So it is a uh it's it, it's it's difficult. Who do you think um I mean, kind of looking at the landscape, who's been most successful in covering the most genres? I mean, has Yamaha had the most success kind of bridging the gap between all sort of types of motorcycles, do you think? or who? You know, you're probably, you're probably on to something there. And, and, of course, you have to take that decade by decade because Kawasaki sure. did a good job of covering all the bases back in the 1990s and the 2000s. Yeah, the Vul- yeah the Vulcan was uh, pretty well received, if I remember correctly, and then of course yeah. you know and some of their Vulcan bikes now are pretty cool, and then uh, uh, but Yamaha has done pretty good with the Bolt. Chevy's done well with the Vol. Oh no, that's not a motorcycle. <laughs> the Bolt to the Volt. Yeah, you can convert your Volt to a Bolt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, innovation is you know I always. I always tip my cap to that. You know, we talked about obviously the KLX 300 and I didn't certainly don't feel like that was a big enough of an improvement as much of one as I would like to have seen, although I'm a fan of the bikes, but BMW stepping out of their comfort zone here and trying this out. 
maybe it bankrupts the company. I mean, that's certainly that's not going to be the case here with BMW, but maybe it doesn't prove to be as financially successful as some other models. But I like the spirit of it. I like that they're out there designing new things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and like uh, you know what Harley's going to come up with their Pan American this year. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because third on my list here are 2021 models, and I saw a meme on social media the other day that was uh, kind of referencing the craziness of 2020, talking about how BMW is now designing the best-looking cruiser motorcycle, referring to the R18 that we just talked about, and Harley-Davidson is designing the best-looking adventure touring motorcycle, referring to the Pan American. Now, those are both up for debate, but I thought that was a, uh, a pretty interesting take on the situation. Hmm. Maybe they're working together, you know, they're colluding and we don't know. Yeah, it's all one one conglomerate, right? Just to make the industry better as a whole. That's right. The lizard people are behind it all, if you ask me. But or maybe uh, BMW is financing Harley Davidson and we don't know it. Oh, that would be something, huh? Yeah. Bring out the scandals uh, once again. But, uh, but yeah, the Pan American now delayed but officially set to be released in 2021 and already on pre-sale i think in uh latin america and europe hmm well i guess uh charlie and ewan will have to go back and do the uh long way up again with the yeah. pan americans instead of the live wires or uh maybe they're gonna be racing the isle of man on the pan american right to kind of <laughs> do a complete inverse <laughs> like they took the electric bike on the adventure tour and now they're going to take the adventure bike on a road racing tour that would be something well maybe they could just point their bikes in a different direction and do the do the uh, long way round again although they'll go from uh from the east to the west yeah i guess i mean i eventually right if the money's there i'm sure they probably will do that <laughs> But uh, those are the three that stood out uh, to me. I mean, really kind of a – there's some decent – you know, I mean, there's there's some notable stuff coming out here. But with all the delays in manufacturing and everything, we'll see when we'll – if uh, manufacturers will actually be able to keep on target for these deliveries. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind if they if they delay stuff right now. I mean – Well, I mean, less of an opportunity to ride it, right? Yeah, and it's just if it's safer for their people at the factories not to all be jammed together, I'm okay with that. I hear you. Um, but let's talk about, I mean, we still have motorcycles in our stable. So what do you think about uh, riding this winter? Why, as we record here in the end of November, you know, we've actually had some, some pretty warm days here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, it's, uh, it's raining outside, but it's 48 degrees. I think I'm going to run a couple of the bikes around over the next few days. Do you have any uh, circuits that you like to take or any reasons? I mean, ride to breakfast or what's what's kind of your way to get out and sort of exercise the, the motorcycle muscles? I take the long way over to Connie's house. Okay. So that would be, you know, going from where I am up in North Seattle and then down toward uh, the Ship Canal and then uh, up the other side of Queen Anne. Oh, okay. But you take all the little residential streets, not the main streets. Just get out and see some of the local real estate while you're uh, transitioning the neighborhoods, right? Yeah, because it's it's warm enough. I don't think I need to put any heat on. I just put some warm, you know, warm layer underneath my onesie. 
and uh, I'd be good to go. Yeah, as long as you've got some some decent rain gear and you're only going to go, you know, ride for an hour or so, I think I think you're in pretty good shape when it's 48 or 50 degrees. Yeah, yeah. Do you do any riding? You know, I'm going to try to get out and just do a little bit of, uh, you know, touring around town. It kind of bums me out because usually this year, you know, my go-to is on a weekend morning if the sun is shining to go and ride somewhere for a cup of coffee or breakfast. But, uh, you know, doing that and then sitting in the parking lot. I know, that's no fun. Yeah, even though 48 or 50 degrees isn't isn't terrible, it's not exactly as enjoyable as kind of, uh, you know, taking in a local delicacy and, yeah. Enjoying life with heat, I guess, is the bluntest way to put it. But you know, so I'll still I'll try to make a few laps here in town, and you know, if the the spirit hits me, I'll I'll load the the dr onto the hitch carrier and take it out into the woods and maybe do a a little afternoon ride somewhere. I'm I'm hoping to do that. We'll we'll see how the weather holds out in December. Well, maybe what you do is uh, once the show gets published, you you go out for a motorcycle ride with your thermos, and then you sit under a tree with your headphones on and listen to the Soundwriter show. There you go. Yeah, I'll just uh, take in the old dulcet tones of my own voice. That would be a uh, a good way to spend an afternoon. All right. Well, let's take a little break. When we come back, we got some news bites. Support for the Soundwriter show is provided in part by. Valentine Motorworks, Seattle's independent service shop specializing in BMW motorcycles and beyond. Call or visit them to discuss your next service or restoration project soon. Find them online at valentinemotorworks.com. Hello, my name is Don Harvey, and I'm from Preston, Washington. And totally unrehearsed, one of my favorite rides in the Pacific Northwest, a day ride, let's say, is on the Olympic Peninsula, the High Steel Bridge, and up over the pass to Lake Wayanuchi, and just make a nice loop and a good day of it. One of my favorite places to go if I have a nice weekend in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, this is Andrew from Scorpion XO, and you're listening to The Soundwriter Show. studios here on the sound rider show and believe it or not even though things have kind of ground to a halt in our daily lives as far as writing we still have some news bites to share a few local a few national so let's jump right in tom with a i guess a worldwide magazine maybe being revived huh Maybe. We'll see what actually happens. Uh, you know, about nine months ago, we let everybody know that Motorcycle Consumer Nose was over and out. And uh, no word on them being transferred in ownership to anyone else or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, on Thanksgiving, I get an email from a company I'd never heard of, twowheel.com, uh, telling me that they were going to take over Motorcycle Consumer News and that they would be selling back issues uh, of the printed magazine, and uh, there was really no word about what they were going to do with the digital magazine. Uh, 
So I touched base with a couple of people that I know who had written in the past for MCN, and they said they had not been contacted about creating new editorial. Hmm. Uh, and then about an hour later, I got another email from the twowheel.com, uh, which is apparently like a, an online store just similar to us or Aerostitch or Twisted Throttle. And I had all my special Black Friday information that I needed. And I thought, well, that's kind of awkward because, you know, MCN was always a no advertising style of, of uh, editorial. And right, so here's yeah. this company that has an online store that bought them and now they're jamming a newsletter at me. And I thought, okay, well, whatever. Then I woke up on Friday, boom, another one, another, another buy this email. Uh, and the same thing happened when I woke up on Saturday. So obviously these guys, uh, quote, purchased MCN, but I believe what they really wanted was that mailing list. And uh, we'll just have to see what happens in the future in terms of actual motorcycle consumer news coming back. Well, that is, uh, you know, that's an interesting way for them to sort of kick off the branding, you know, or the acquisition of motorcycle consumer news. I would be, I think I'd be slightly surprised, though, if they didn't make some effort to reintroduce the publication. I mean, it seems like there's still a following for that, right? Yeah, I, th I think they probably will. And, and if it is going to come back, I'd actually like to see him bring it back with some fresh editors because we're all getting old, you know. You don't want to sure. hear us tell the same story over and over again. So uh, I don't know. You know, one thing I will say about MCN as they were on their way out the door is they had mastered doing a beautiful transition from a print magazine to a digital magazine. And the uh, system they were using to show the magazine on screen was really nice. You could just grab your tablet and read it really easily. Uh, it wasn't clunky. You could change it in terms of uh, how you wanted it to read. Um, I think it, was, it was the best of all because, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, converting whatever magazine subscriptions I could to digital, and they put out the best one. Yeah, I, I agree that they did a, a very nice job on that. And I was always a fan of uh, the style and the spirit of uh, Motorcycle Consumer News. So I would hope that that thread can can continue in the future. But uh, we will see, I guess, right? Yeah. Time will tell. Um, also in the news, uh, we put up on social media earlier uh, in November uh, information we got about a exhibit in Bend, Oregon at the High Desert Museum called Daredevils. Well, sadly, um, uh, statewide they've closed all the museums, so you can't go see that exhibit right now until they get reopened again. It's scheduled to be there until March 7th. Looks like a really cool exhibit, and I'd like to get in and see it myself. Um, so we'll we'll keep you posted on that. If if they're going to extend that date out so you don't miss it, that'd be nice. I th I think they should just run it into the summer. They yeah, get a lot I, I more think, people in. Well, I agree there, right? And this is obviously shades of uh, evil Knievel here. So at the very least, they should put a couple of ramps up outside and let you jump over the place. <laughs> Yeah, and put, put a couple rattlesnakes under yeah. each ramp. And, you know, you know, that was one of the first things that Evil Knievel jumped was rattlesnakes out in Moses Lake. 
Oh, really? Like they just put like a pit of rattlesnakes underneath them? Yep. Well, at, that is at the uh, Honda shop in Moses Lake. Now that is something I would pay to see. Motorcycle consumer news. Are you listening? Make that your big <laughs> rebirth. <laughs> Today's rattlesnakes are sponsored that's, by Motorcycle yeah, Consumer News and the uh, Motorcycle you're... Industry Council. See, we're on to something here. Yeah. And the Moses Lake Zoo. <laughs> no, no rattlesnakes were harmed in the uh, filming of this. Let's, let's hope anyway. Um, but you mentioned uh, the Motorcycle Industry Council. I think we've got some news from them too, right? Well, they're telling us that they had a uh, 10% increase in sales during September for same month last year. And I'm wondering, how did that happen? Because, you know, what, what you and I hear from the dealers is they can't get enough product. So, yeah, I'd say I would be interested uh, to see more about this report. And I haven't had a chance to read it or to locate it yet. But what does that include? You know, I mean, are we talking about all power sports? Are we talking? Because it doesn't seem to me. And the big driver, right, through this whole sort of quote-unquote pandemic uh, season is that dirt bikes and dual sport bikes were way up, and the inventories on those were way down and have been for the last couple of months after everybody bought them up. So in the absence of that, are people buying the leftover street bike models? Are they buying UTVs? Where does this number come from? I mean, I'm hoping that it's accurate. Those are even hard to come by on the non-currents. True. You're, you're seeing the non-currents dropping in Soundrider, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I, I need to go back and look at that report, but it's interesting because it kind of doesn't <laughs> doesn't seem to fit what's really going on. Yes, uh, certainly. I mean, we hope that that's the case. A ten percent, ten point two percent increase in September, because usually September is, you know reality starts to set in a little bit for much of the country as far as season is concerned. So you don't see quite as many historically quite as many sales. Um, but this year, maybe that's not the case. Fingers crossed, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to fish around a little bit more. Maybe we can offer people more information in January. There you go. Uh, let's see. Harley Davidson in their, uh, pulling back the reins has decided to nix factory backed, teams uh in terms of flat track racing which is the only other than the drag racing that's the only racing i ever see them participate in yeah i mean well drag racing right did i see was there some king of the baggers race have you ever heard of this yeah i I saw that but i don't think that was a harley sponsored thing okay i wasn't sure i mean i don't think that's uh, would fall into that category anyway because it's not like a a year-long uh, circuit or anything like that. At least that wasn't my interpretation. But HD continues to restructure. What, what else can you say, right? I mean, the, the year ahead, the two years ahead, is going to be very interesting for the old bar and shield. Well, um, you know, what was interesting in reading the article was it was pointed out that Indian kind of cleaned their clocks back in around 2017 at the flat track races. Right. And if you go back a hundred years uh, in the history of Harley and the Indian, uh, this is the same thing. <laughs> About a hundred years ago, Indian was, uh, was taking them out at the flat, you know, at the, at the races at the time, not necessarily flat track races, but. Um, well, I would imagine that uh, 
Indian now is running something akin to their FTR platform, right? Yeah. And that's kind of difficult to compete with. You know, Harley doesn't have a day-to-day model that they really don't is benefiting from, you know, that revenue stream or that exposure or that engineering investment. So it's kind of it's kind of tough. That doesn't seem like a real fair matchup for for Harley. And over the years, you know, Harley didn't run Harley motors anymore in their flat track bikes. They were running Rotax motors in them. Right. And yeah, uh, which is now we, you know, you and I were doing our homework and realized Rotax now owned by BRP. So there's not much going on in that department. So I don't know. Uh, interesting to interesting to see. I I just believe that racing is a critical thing because it's where the technology gets pushed. And that's why we get better products as consumers. So, uh, and and Harley's saying they're not gonna they're not gonna completely back out of racing. They're just not gonna have their own factory back teams, but they still have money available uh, for contingencies for people. So. Well, let's hope that uh, Harley can figure out some way to continue in the near future anyway of at least participating in these racing circuits because a lot of racing circuits have been pretty hard hit so funding and uh, keeping those alive is going to be i think another concern over the next few years yeah gotta be freaky to go down and race motorcycles not have anybody in the stands yeah kind of like nfl games right mm-hmm. they do, they, do they pipe in, in the, the phony song. cheering yeah. <laughs> maybe so maybe so but uh we'll see uh you know best of luck as always we hope uh harley davidson can like i said get back involved and you know i'm i'm really i'm going to be real interested to watch the trajectory over the next couple of years i I, i'm holding out hope because i think that there's a lot of promise there and i i still back to the pan-american i want to see the specs on this bike i i'm very excited to see if it can compete legitimately or not i know that's different from flat track but Still yeah. want to see it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. After uh, being a top performer, going in a straight line for 35 years, Yamaha is now saying goodbye to the VMAX. Does that break your heart? So, uh, well, this is a reference to our earlier discussion on which brand has covered the most ground most successfully as far as types of motorcycling. And without the VMAX, where does that leave the Yamaha quote-unquote, cruiser line. Well, I guess it'll get taken over. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe you get a, a Rebel 1700 next year. Uh, from Honda? Yeah. Yeah. To maybe fill so, that yeah. void. Yeah. I, yeah, just keep, <laughs> just keep boring it out. Get the, uh, the Rebel 1700 with uh, your motor brought to you by uh, Rotax. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Just keep combining them all. Maybe they'll sleeve the cylinders and you can buy it, you know, uh, with a 1,200cc model. And then you just take it in and pay for the upgrade. And they take the sleeves out and put the new pistons in. And now you have the 1,700cc model. There you go. Nothing like buying a uh, $13,000 motorcycle and investing twenty grand in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how you do it. That's right. Yeah, you got to get that customization there, so. But so, this, what does this spell for why – is, why is Yamaha doing this? Are they doing this because after 35 years, it's had a good run, it's made its money, and it's time to 
put it to bed for two years so they can come out with something new, a new lineup, or is this a broader indication of the cruiser motorcycle market and their anticipation that it's going to continue to shrink? Well, I think that um, sales aren't there. Yeah. And maybe they're ready to move on. But you can't keep making bikes that don't sell. And and it, honestly, have you seen a lot of VMAXs around? I mean, a lot of dealers won't even put them on the floor. I can't I can't recall the last time that I saw one. I mean, I'm not generally looking for them, but uh, you know, and I'm looking at the website right now. I mean, they're not bad looking motorcycles. The 2020 no. that they have up here, but uh, yeah, it's just a tough. It's a tough segment. If you think know, about guess, when they know. came out in 1985, that was probably like the coolest little custom bike you could get your hands on back then. Right. But then from Yamaha's perspective, they're seeing they can't, you know, they can't keep Tenere 700s in stock, and their manufacturing cost is probably significantly less than the Tenere 700s. So yeah. why not just keep going with what works? Yeah. Huh. Well, I, I'm not going to miss it. Uh, I, I did like, though, how people would customize them, and we had a few in our displays during the international motorcycle shows, and they were quite cool. You know, people would, would buy them and then spend as much money decking them out and repainting them and putting carbon fiber all over them. And, I, you know, they, they were pretty. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, there's probably enough well, of them out there you won't completely miss them. That's right. Well, goodbye to VMAX anyway. So um, you got some information for us on Northwest Harley-Davidson. Tell us what's going on down there. That's right. So down at Northwest Harley in Lacey slash the Olympia area, they are now carrying Royal Enfield. So they have a few on the showroom floor and parked out front. And um, as you and I were talking, that was something that Cascade Harley had done before they they closed down earlier this year. But now they're going to be uh, trying that out in the Olympia area. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. I like that pairing, personally. I hope that's not bad voodoo that North Cascade oh, Harley so. went out of business after they started carrying the line. Well, I don't think that North Cascades, and I, this is all just speculation, I don't think that they were forced out of business as much as they were just kind of done with business, you know? Yeah. So I uh, I think I think it'll do fine down there. And I in the Royal Enfield line, continues to impress me and you know when they moved their north american headquarters a few years ago to milwaukee they took a bunch of harley people executives and their network their dealer network continues to grow they i think we talked a few months ago that they're going to be doing manufacturing for a few models all the way down in argentina so look out we'll see uh what royal enfield has in in store but that that price point on their motorcycles is pretty attractive yeah, yeah. And when you can't afford a Harley, you can afford a Royal Enfield. That's right. So uh, just to keep that in mind for all our listeners. But, uh, you know, I also, while I was down in the uh, Olympia Lacey area, and I know we've talked about this, I think, the last two months, but we might as well hit it one more time because as you listen to this, you still may have a few days to donate. The Olympia Toy Run is not going to be as normal, but they are still collecting donations. And we know there's other shops around that are collecting donations of toys or canned food. So, you know, if you if you take what we were talking about in the beginning of the show, you need to stretch your bike out a little bit. Um, and it's 50 degrees out. Call your local dealer. Ask them if they got a box set up that you can 
ride by and drop some stuff off. That'd yeah, I think good that's reason a good reason to ride. I think that's a great suggestion. And if you're out of the area and you'd still like to support or you don't have the time to take a ride, you can also donate online. The Olympia Toyland has a link to a Salvation Army donation page. Uh, so you can make a contribution via credit card as well. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. All right. And then a uh, little news out of Yakima. Yeah, out in Yakima slash uh, Union Gap. I think officially Union Gap. But Premier Power Sports, just uh, a few months ago, they moved locations. I think in the first part of September, they opened up their new location. They, of course, are Kawasaki Can-Am and Husqvarna out there among, I think, maybe in another one or two. And they're open for business at their new location. So if that is your part of the world, go and check out the new showroom and uh, let them know that you are ready to buy. I would say that at the very least. Yeah. All right. Um, well, that's what we got for News Bites. Uh, as you can imagine, there's no calendar this month. So uh, we will take a little break here and move on to our holiday gift guide. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in North Bend, Washington. Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from, whether you're shopping for a used cruiser, sport tour, dual sport, adventure, dirt, sport bike, or street standard. You owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. So Mike Monahan out of Tualatin, Oregon, and most recent trip on my KLR 650 2015 was down the Oregon coast, and we camped at some great uh, state parks. Uh, the weather was phenomenal, just had a great, great time. And then just before that, we did the Oregon Backcountry Discovery Route number four from Sisters to Seneca, and it was terrific too. Great time, great weather, and uh, the bike would perform just great. Hey, this is Justin Barnes from Slow Ride Home, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Wishing you a holiday season of both mirth and good cheer. We're back on the Sound Rider Show. And, you know, this time of year, because all throughout the year we are doing our motorcycle due diligence, we like to recommend a couple of holiday gifts. And I think we've got, what, 10 this year? We're each going to do five. 10 on our list here, yeah. Yeah. So uh, why don't we dive right into it without any delay? You want me to kick things off here? Yeah, kick it off with your first one, and I, I got a whole bunch of stuff to say about it when you're... Oh, boy. Okay, well, here we go with that, uh, with that setup. My first suggestion, uh, the OM14 Folding Metric Tool by Cruise Tools. So this is kind of a pocket-sized, all-in-one uh, I don't know. How would you say this? It's uh, It's got all of your... It's a Swiss your, Army knife. There you go. It's basically a Swiss Army knife. But yeah. the, the reason in particular that I'm recommending this this year and why it's on my list is because uh, I finished out the season with a couple of dual sport rides and I lost a handguard 
and I lo- nearly lost a rearview mirror just from being rattled around on some very bumpy roads. And if I would have had one of these in my pocket, I could have just tightened up the mirror, tightened up the handguard. But, you know, things were all in my toolkit, so I didn't do it. And uh, this would have been very handy to have. So at 1995, I mean, that's a, that's a heck of a stocking stuffer. So let's call it OM-14 because it has 14 different metric tools in it. And uh, Cruise Tools also makes an OH-13 model that has 13 different tools in it that would fit a Harley-Davidson and possibly some some nuts and bolts on a uh, Indian. Sure. So uh, whatever you ride, uh, yeah, it is a handy little tool. Um, I, 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 what, you know, what happened with Cruise Tools this year is it got bought by Touratech. Actually, it was last year. And uh, Touratech USA. And I noticed the other day they're starting to work with the line and upgrade it. They've got uh, – they've always made a BMW kit, and now they're making a BMW kit for models 2017 and onward. So that's something else to think of if you want to go for more than something that's just a stocking stuffer. For sure, yeah. And now they've got a kit that they've worked up for Indian. So they always had a Harley kit. Now they got an Indian kit too. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know. You know, when Dan Parks owned the company, he did a great job of really sitting down and figuring out what tools you need for what bike and coming up with with specific toolkits because either you didn't get a toolkit with your motorcycle, which is pretty common nowadays, or the one you got was like sand cast and who knows if yeah. it's going to work and serve you properly out on the road. Definitely. So, or, you know, and a lot of people, like myself, you know, the stock toolkit for my bike has probably been gone for, you know, 15 years. I don't know where that's at. So I actually have a Cruise Tools toolkit and I have been uh, quite pleased with it um, over about the last year and a half or so. It's really served me quite well. And uh, this would be a great, great addition for me. So that's why it's high on my list here. Yeah. And and the last little tidbit I'll offer up here is that uh, we have carried cruise tools in the Soundwriter store, but uh, made the decision to close it out. So we still have some product at the old prices and uh, anything over 75 bucks you get free shipping on. So if you're looking for a cruise tools kit, check out the Soundwriter store and you might find yourself a nice deal out there. Great tip. Store.soundwriter.com, of course. Um, so what, do you want to go back and forth? You got something on your list or yeah, okay. you want me to go? I'll go back and forth through? with you. Okay, let's do it. So, uh, the next one I got here is, uh, Motor Books International makes really nice coffee table books. And the most recent one is a Moto Guzzi book. And it's kind of everything A to Z Moto Guzzi all the way from the beginning to the present. Uh, it's written by Ian Fallon. And Ian has written a number of everything A to Z books for Motorbooks International. BMW, he's done Triumph, he's done, he's done a lot. So if you have a loved one who is really into a particular brand, uh, you can go to the Motorbooks International website and see what's out there. Uh, obviously, Moto Guzzi, not the most popular brand in the world, but a lot of people do own them. And so uh, that's the newest in the lineup, but there's a lot of good stuff out there. And the coffee table books are always kind of nice because they look nice on your coffee table. 
well, and I'm going to see if I can't get you a signed copy of the history of the Yamaha VMAX for Christmas this year. How's that? <laughs> 35 years of the VMAX. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> No, but I think that's a you know that's a good suggestion. Obviously, for people who are uh, enthusiastic about a specific brand, and there are a lot of riders out there like that. Um, what better way to pass the time, right? You're sitting around your house and flipping through a history of your favorite motorcycle, sipping on a cup of coffee. I think that's a great suggestion. Yeah, and then you go out to your bike and you slip your cruise tools kit into your handlebar bag. Tell us about that. That's right, the uh, giant loop zigzag handlebar bag and uh so basically this is storage that kind of goes right on your handlebar mount there and in particular why i like this is because i've never been able to get behind tank bags you know i understand the utility and the convenience but i'm a guy who rides with a four pocket jacket you know kind of a classic uh waist belted fit and the riding pants that I actually invested in this year, I got those from Seattle Cycle Center, some Scorpion EXO pants. They've got two big cargo pockets right on the top of the thighs. So I like to keep things accessible, but having that tank bag, especially when I'm dual sporting, I just, you know, it just doesn't work out for me. I understand it. It's great for a lot of people, but a little extra storage right on the handlebars there. I can put, like you said, that uh, Outback, uh, our, um, What's the OM14 folding metric tool? Yeah, right there. So if I do need to tighten up my hand guards or my mirrors or whatever, I've got it all right there. So I I was a big fan of this. And not not too expensive either. You know, that's another good gift item for you or yourself, 55 bucks. So And you know, with these smaller models that are making their way, you know, we've got the we've we've had the Kawasaki versus three hundred for a few years. Now we got the KLX three hundred. There isn't a whole lot of subframe to connect luggage to and even if there was um you can't put like a lot of heavy luggage on those bikes because they're just you're just gonna have them yeah throw themselves into the ground right so little places like that are handy uh i never liked tank bags because they kind of got in the way of my gut i <laughs> gotcha i remember one time i went to canada i had a tank bag that stacked it had like a you know a, a compression zipper on it, and when you open up that compression zipper, the thing would go up about twenty four inches. Yes, I had a laptop in there and maps and all kinds of stuff. It was crazy, but uh, it was in my way anytime I wanted to go into a corner. Yeah, that's the thing, you know, and especially, and I think, is this the same tank bag? I think we may have talked about this five or six episodes ago, but didn't you say it was something ridiculous, like? 40 liters or something. I mean, yeah. I think it was, yeah, that, it was crazy. It was, it was huge, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like 40 liter tank bag. Yeah. So, so I'm a, you know, a slimmer profile. And in addition to having, you know, my, uh, my multi tool in there, another good thing, and this is, you know, the Soundrider store, but you get a microfiber cloth and a little helmet cleaner spray would be nice on some of those more bug filled and dirt filled rides. You could just pop this out and give it a quick wipe down. Are you going to carry that in your hip storage? You know, I, <laughs> the problem with carrying liquid on body is yeah. that if you lay it down, um, it, can, it can create more of a problem. You know than, what you uh, could put into that hip storage is put your rain gear in there, and then everybody think you have love handles. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Something to hang on to. So, you know, usually, usually the cargo pockets that are on the top of my thighs, actually, I usually keep, uh, I usually keep my phone in there. 
because it's Ooh. easy to take pictures. It's usually I don't want to hear the story about how there's gorilla glass in your hip now. Well, listen though, it's easy. It's a, so it, the the pockets on these pants are actually right on the top of the thighs. So oh, okay. they're like, yeah. So it's just it makes it real easy to pop it open and uh, take your phone out for pictures, and then you get a little more independent sort of suspension maneuverability because you know if you if you mount your phone or if you put it in like your hard case panty or something like that you got to worry about those camera lenses shaking loose yeah so i never i always carry my phone on my person yeah i always have it handy where i can grab it and uh you know if i need to i don't want to uh you know case perfect case of this was when i hit the dog i was able to just reach into my jacket and get my phone out instead of try to go over to my bike and open up some luggage and yeah you know, i i was in no shape to really get up and walk around at that point so right good yeah good thing you had it because your uber eats uh, arrived before the ambulance oh yeah <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> Uh, let's see on my list. Uh, if you have a, a, a particular someone that you really want to show them how much you care about them and they like to do their own work on their bike, uh, if they don't already own the official manufacturer's shop manual, order one up for them. And typically they run around 75 to a hundred bucks. Uh, I'm not talking about the climber manuals, which are kind of vague in a lot of cases, but uh, if you can locate the original shop manual, that would be a wonderful gift to give someone. Yes, totally agree. And it would make a nice compliment to that coffee table book if you've got somebody who is a motorcycle lover, right? I mean, it's amazing, honestly, and this is really no joke here, but by just flipping up through your manual and reading a few pages every now and again, how much you can learn about your motorcycle that can, can pay off big time when you need it. Yeah, and they, you know, like the I, I've got Honda manuals for all my bikes, and uh, they've got you know torque torque uh, references, and they're really really good. And you know, I, like I have a friend with a Kawasaki Concours, and uh, he looked in the shop manual and realized that he's going to have to spend about six hours to get the body work off it. But, you know, it's a good way to set yourself up ahead of time and know what you got to go to do instead of just starting to unconnect bolts and stuff like that. So Yeah, just take it to the dealer right off the gate instead of uh, disassembling it and then realizing after four months that you're never going to reassemble it. So uh, something here about some motorcycle boots, eh? Yeah, from the uh, very fancy Bell Staff. Did you get a chance to look at these? No, I haven't. Well, these are pretty classy boots, I got to tell you. These are the Endurance Leather Motorcycle Boots, and they are a, uh, they have a side zipper, but they don't have laces or anything like that. And it's a real classy motorcycle boot, as they should be for 325 pounds, but, uh, you know, waxed, water-repellent, full-grain buffalo leather. They've got a waterproof membrane, uh, kind of a slim, very modern appearance, and... And let's you know, just make it clear. When you say 325 pounds, you're speaking the British pound. Not, not, that's not how yes. much they weigh. They're you know, probably like 320 concrete. Yeah, these are made out of uh, solid steel reinforced. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> They're commonly used to put people in the river. And- that's right. <laughs> no, but these are, uh, are very good-looking boots, and they also have the uh, ankle armor built into them. 
And, you know, uh, Bellstaff has a long history. They've been around for longer than the Yamaha VMAX. Right. <laughs> yes, very, uh, very fitting reference there. And I think if you buy a pair of boots like these, there's a good chance that you, you know, maybe not 35 years, but I think you'll have them for a long time. It's like anything else in the motorcycle gear department. You often get what you pay for. And these, uh, these are certainly sharp boots. So they are, they would be a nice treat for myself. I don't think I would give them to anybody, but I am a, I'm a big fan of these. Yeah. So I'm not getting any, I guess, as what you're saying. All right, fine. You know, this year I'm going to give you a, uh, like I said, a signed copy of the history of the Yamaha VMAX for the wrong closeout. All right. Uh, my next one, uh, I'm just going to do a couple quickies here. We did the whole bit on uh, winterizing your motorcycle last month. And two of the products that we talked about, I think, are appropriate gifts to give to somebody. Uh, one of them is a can of ACF 50, which I noticed they're starting to advertise and get marketed into the power sports industry, and I'm happy to see that. This is a uh, a product that you can spray on a cloth and then wipe it on to any of the metal on your bike, and it sort of puts a layer to inhibit corrosion from occurring. Right. Uh, and so uh, that's a good one to use when you're going to winterize a bike or you just want to keep corrosion off stuff. Um, and then the other one that we talked about was the uh, instead of a battery tender, get somebody a really nice Optimate uh, 4 or 3 for their motorcycle to charge that battery up and to recondition it does a way better job than the uh, the, the other competing brands. Yeah, both uh, both great suggestions, and I'll I'll piggyback on the uh, the quick run through here, and I'll mention one that I think is probably uh, very familiar to many of our listeners. But the Cena fifty uh, R Com set, um, I've never ridden with Coms, but I've been on a few trips lately where I was the only one without them, and uh, staying uh, connected via Bluetooth to your riding team, it can pay some dividends, especially out in the backcountry if you want to ride at your own pace. So I'll I'll throw that out there for for consideration. And the uh, nice thing about a lot of the, the comp stuff now is um, it's interchangeable. You can connect the Santa com to somebody else's, that sort of thing. Right. So, and the Bluetooth uh, connectivity has gotten so much better. You remember like 10 years ago when it first well, – <laughs> Yeah, that, like but 1. the pairing 0. process. Yeah, yeah. The pairing process was brutal, and that's not the case anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go. Um, and, uh, uh, another thing that's kind of come along, although this is sort of a really dumbed down version, uh, spot makes some great products, uh, for tracking people when they're out on their ride, that sort of thing. So now they've come up with a, uh, something called the, uh, spot trace. And basically all that is, is a GPS tracker. So if you have a really nice motorcycle and, and you live in a really bad part of town and you, you know, an alarm's going to do one thing. Um, but if it doesn't work or if they get around the alarm, if you have a little spot trace hiding somewhere on your bike, uh, you can track where your bike has gone off to. And, and motorcycle thefts, unfortunately, during this time are, uh, still quite prevalent that yeah. and stealing of uh, catalytic converters out of people's cars oh yeah, yeah. So keep that in mind yeah better secure your catalytic converter and put a gps tracking device on it yes please do <laughs> this is the kind of information you can't get anywhere else nowhere else <laughs> i don't know why but uh... yeah 
but uh, yeah, I think that's a yeah, that's a great thing. And you know, like Bluetooth technology, you know, the pairing has become almost seamless. Uh, GPS technology continues to shrink and become more affordable. I'm always blown away by I see some of these GPS technologies that are less than a hundred dollars now. Yeah, I don't I don't have the price in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that that spot trace is right around a hundred bucks. Which is just uh, just amazing if you think about that. I, I wonder actually how long until we start to see that built in into uh, insurance quotes. Yeah. People will ask you, do you have a GPS Or built tracker? into actual bikes. Yeah, true. So uh, let's see. Now, you're, you're kind of a camping kind of guy. And That's right. And you found right. a new tent. So, yeah, this is, uh, I think, from a U.K. company, but it's the Laser Pulse Ultra 1. And uh, get this, it weighs in at a packed weight of just 490 grams. Do you believe that? 490 grams. Yeah. That's a half a pound. No, no, that's uh, about a pound. That's just a little over a pound, yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, incredibly impressive. And then, of course, uh, you can imagine the physical pack size is quite small. And riding these light dual sport bikes, I'm always on the lookout for ways to trim down that profile because you notice... You know, it's, you know, the DR is a dirt bike. It's not built like a 600 pound adventure touring motorcycle. The rear suspension isn't set up for that. So every pound you can certainly feel it. And, um, tents are big, they're bulky and trimming down to just over a pound, not to mention the space you can save is a pretty awesome thing for me, but I know you have some thoughts on motorcycle camping as well. So this is called the laser pulse ultra one tent by Terra Nova. Right. And my thought is when I saw Ultra One, I thought, well, that's a one person tent. Uh, I personally prefer a two man tent when I'm out riding because I like to put some of my gear in the tent with me, like, like my what I'm wearing and my helmet and stuff like that. I like to store it in the tent. Uh, I'd be interested to see how large the, the bivy is on the outside. Maybe there's enough room. What's that little? It's not a bivy. What do they call that? That uh, the rain fly. Yeah, the, the rain fly sort of stretches out beyond. So, wondering how much square footage of space you get to put stuff under that, like your boots. I don't like to put my boots in my tent with me. Yeah, I think uh, you know you'd want to do obviously a little work to set up your your preferred sort of uh, setup there. But maybe if you carry like a tire changing mat, right, you put that out in front of the little door there and you do have a little bit of a rain fly here. Certainly the overhang isn't like on a, uh, a mountaineering expedition tent or anything close to that. But um, is there a, a two person and a three person model as well? I uh, don't think that there is a, let me see here. A lot of times yeah. companies do that. They make a one, a two, and a three. Uh, they certainly do, although I should also uh, forewarn our listeners that in American dollars, this, that particular tent's about 1300 bucks. So, Ooh, 1300 for a one-man tent? Well, if you're going to be going one pound. Oh, baby. Uh, you got to keep that in mind. Wow. Uh, so there's a laser compact they do have uh, this company does make some two-man tents let's see what the closest variant here i think is the laser compact all season two-person tent and uh this has a little bit bigger of a rain fly a packed weight though on this is three pounds 16 ounces still pretty good 
Well, I got to say, that's quite a conversion rate. One pound, $1,300. That's a heck of a conversion rate. <laughs> you know, who knows in these uncertain times what is uh, the future has to hold. So I'll be on the lookout for my next crypto tent. Um, <laughs> really taken off there. So, again, things and conversations you can't get on any other motorcycle. That's podcast. right. So, uh, but check it out, Terra Nova Equipment, if you're interested. And back to a more, I guess, uh, practical note here i think you've got one last i got the last one here yeah so i'm I'm working on my 2021 travel plans and i'm thinking you know uh we've got places we want to go and uh but we we really like good food and so many times you get out on the road and you just end up at some greasy spoon so what i'm going to do this year for my travel stuff is i'm going to do a little homework on where to eat along the route and so this would be a nice gift to give somebody is not only give them a nice couple of days out on the motorcycle uh, ride tour thing, but also incorporate some really good food into that instead of going to, oh, look, there's a subway over there. Right. So uh, it doesn't take much. Uh, I know we've learned with Cafe to Cafe places like resorts, golf courses, that sort of thing. They have really good restaurants, and you can uh, kind of up your food game a little bit and enjoy the trip that much more. I think that's a great suggestion. I mean, we often talk on this podcast about you know motorcycle riding is meant to be enjoyed. You should go at a relatively leisure pace. You should take in the sights. And you should take in the local scene. And what better way to do that than going to, you know, legitimate local restaurants. People who have lived there are part of the community are using local ingredients. And there's a lot of that, especially out in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, yeah. You'd you'd have trouble not finding some good place to eat in most areas where you're going to ride. So just got to do a little homework. And the alternative to that would be the – Yamaha V Max thirty five McDonald's and thirty five days tour. If you wanna go yeah. one, <laughs> one McDonald's for every year. That's All right, right. <laughs> let's uh, let's take a little break. And uh, of course, we've been offering up tons of tips and tricks, and we've got a couple last ones to close the show out with. And we'll be right back. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Rock Straps. Tired of bungee cords that fray and break. You need to up your game with the number one tie-down among riders. Rock straps make it easy to get the right fit, no matter how large or small the load you're securing. Order a pair today from the Soundrider store at store.soundrider.com. Hi, this is Stephanie from Bigfoot Power Sports in Chilliwack. Uh, one of my favorite places to ride is up in the canyon near Boston Bar and up in the Merritt Valley. There's some really nice twisties in there and some like, technical stuff that gives you some area to practice with your bike and push your power sports father. Hi, this is Dale Gray from South Sound Honda Suzuki Polaris, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. Welcome back, motorcycle riders, to the Sound Rider Show. And as Tom alluded to here, we wouldn't leave you without some tips and tricks. And 
Besides, we got to get down to the zoo and start wrangling some rattlesnakes for our forthcoming uh, Evil Knievel celebration jump down in Oregon there, right, Tom? I'm going to jump 35 VMAXs. <laughs> <laughs> well, and speaking of Oregon, actually, before we get into tips and tricks, I wanted to uh, offer up or see about suggesting one more item on the gift list there. Are registrations open for the 2021 Rally in the Gorge? No, we won't do that until the coast is clear. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that Well, that actually, yeah, there. you can buy. We're not going to promote until the yeah. coast is clear. I got gotcha. you. But you so, can uh, buy them, and, and, and I will tell you, if, if uh, there isn't a 2021, we'll roll it to 2022. So I'm not, I'm not jumping at the – chomping at the bit for people to sign up right now. Yes. Yeah. I just wanted to uh, to verify that just in case that opportunity was out there. Of course, we hope things are back to where we can uh, start a new streak of well, rallying the gorges, right? And, and I'll tell you something else. You, know, you can uh, sign up for Cafe to Cafe because that's something that is going to happen no matter what. Um, sadly, I was going to take this time this winter to compile a book about Cafe to Cafe and and uh, put a whole bunch of the restaurants. We have over 270 restaurants that we've put into our database since we started this 12 years ago. Wow. And I was going to make a book, and then I thought, wait, 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 don't make a book, because <laughs> some of these places may not make it into next spring. So Yeah, that's an unfortunate side effect, but you're, you're certainly correct. So we, that's we hope, on hold. Yeah, we hope many of those are... Uh, going to continue to exist. And, of course, part of the fun in assembling that book would be going back out and revisiting some of those places yeah. and not having to eat in the parking lot. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to – here, uh, there's a parking space number three next to the elm tree is the best parking spot. Right. <laughs> and you'll love the prime rib. Oh, yeah. So anyway, That's right. So, Well, let's, uh, let's dive into the tips and tricks. Why don't I go ahead and kick it off here this month? Okay. What do you say? Uh, so I mentioned earlier in the show when we were talking about the uh, you know the folding metric tool by Cruise Tools that I'd like to to get to carry in my pocket, and one of those reasons was that I lost a handguard while I was out on a particular rocky dual sport trail, and I ordered that handguard shortly afterwards, which was about um, a replacement anyway. Which of course you you can't get one; you gotta you gotta replace two. So tip number one: don't lose one of your handguards. Um, but also the shipping on these, and these are bark busters, which are, I think made, or they come out of Australia is delayed significantly, uh, because of COVID-19 and everything that's going on around the world. So mm -hmm. my tip is if you're thinking like, Hey, I'm going to do a late winter project and I'm just going to wait to buy the parts or whatever, you might want to reevaluate your ordering time frame and get that in as soon as possible because I'm looking at all told probably about five to six weeks to uh, of shipping time, you know, delay time to get my handguards back in. Um, when normally, you know, the first time I ordered them, it was about five days. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. Uh, we are not out of the woods on the the shipping delay department. I, I could expand on that. Let's do it. Uh, if you're thinking of doing like a level three service on your motorcycle, which typically you do that at the dealer because you don't have all the bells and whistles to do the measurements and the tappets and all that. 
Um, you need to schedule that now and you need to get all those parts on order because it could take six weeks. It could take six months to get some parts in. So uh, get the stuff on order now. And, and that goes right down to tires. You know, they're not they're not cranking tires out as much at the factories as they had been. So uh, any any kind of service work you want to get done, make sure you get your parts lined up. Yeah, that's got me thinking I should get a uh, some sort of life alert bracelet for the DR that says level one service or DNR only, as in level one service or do not resuscitate. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, yeah. that's an item we can sell. Yeah, a little yeah. band you can put, do, do not resuscitate the purple band. Yeah. All but, right. Uh, uh, in addition to expanding on that, I think you also have a uh, sort of a tool mechanical related. Uh, I do. Um, this is something I like to do about every five years. I I have uh, in my home here. I have two different toolkits, two two large tool boxes that weigh about you know seventy pounds each, and. Uh, it's kind of like my kitchen drawers, you know. I get a lot of I like a lot of kitchen accessories and eventually those drawers get filled up and then I realize there's, there's got to be stuff in here I don't need. So every about every 5 years I like to take my toolkits and tear them down, get them all out, look at everything, go, "Hey, I don't need that anymore." Well, that's an old soldering iron. It doesn't even work anymore and stuff like that. So uh now is a great time to uh, sort of enjoy your passion of working on your bike, even though you may not be working on it, but to, to get everything in order for, uh, you know, for what's coming up in the spring. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. And how many of us have looked at our toolkits when we needed them in sort of disarray and just thought like, oh man, like you spend, you know, a half hour digging it out of your pannier and then you know, a half hour trying to find what you're looking for. And all of a sudden the sun's set and you've got to, you know, break out your $1,300 tent and camp right there. Yeah. But I'm talking about your home tool kit. Oh, the I big gotcha. boy. Yeah. That's oh, the that's... one that has all the Allen wrenches that are all loose inside right now that need to be cobbled together and sorted out. Which ones are SAE, which ones are metric, you know? Yeah. That's a, uh, that's an even bigger job there. But now is the time. Now is the time, yes. As you're waiting for your Barkbuster handguards to come in, get out there and start organizing. Your COVID nineteen toolkit cleanup. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, that's our show for December. We tried to keep you entertained. We really did, and uh, we're going to go enjoy the holidays. And we hope you all do as well. And we will meet you all back here in January. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of mixed media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.